right now, it's Barry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. If you've had a tough week, I can relate. My dad was in ER twice. He went in the ambulance on Sunday, and then on Monday, he's doing okay. Thank God. Two years ago, Wednesday, I lost my mom, my dear mom, and I've had some sleepless nights this week, and I have a suffering friend I've been walking with for many, many years, and he's just getting worse. It's been a tough week, and I just need a reset. I don't know about you. I need a reset. And so we bring in our buddy, Dan Mike, from Crossroads Bible Church in Grand Rapids. You might be in a desperate place right now. And my question for you is first, where do you go in that desperation? Who do you go to? Let me tell you something. When we are in moments of crisis and desperation, there is a temptation to listen to the voice of the world, which asks the question, how? How? How am I going to defeat this giant? It's too tall, too strong. How am I going to cross this river? How am I going to walk into that fiery furnace? How am I going to survive that lion's den? How is this wall going to come down? How? How is this economy going to get fixed? How is this going to get solved? How am I supposed to live right now? How am I supposed to do this? But a person of faith is not first and foremost driven by the question how, but we are driven by who. We go to the who in our moments of crisis and desperation. The one who is able to use some kid throwing rocks at a giant. The one who is able to say, just walk around the wall in faith and I will make it fall down. The one who is able to part the sea. The one who is able to shut the mouths of the lion and quench the fury of the fire. The one who is able to be there for us and with us and through us in our moment of crisis. Who are you going? to. It's not as important right now that we solve the question how, but that we are very clear on who we are going to. I go to the who. I go to the who. I'm going to the who. Yep. And that just brings to mind Isaiah 43, as Dan was sharing there. Isaiah 43, it's an incredible, incredible promise. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. That's amazing. We go to the who. Mm. We don't have to figure it out. I don't have to figure it out. I don't know. I don't know how to figure it out. I don't know much, but I know the who. I surround myself with people who are smarter than me. (laughs) And that's why. That's why I hang out with you, Perry. (laughs) (laughs) I surround myself with people who are smarter than me. And I have this brilliant friend who said to me once, just one of the things I love is the way that this friend challenged me. But he said, you focus a lot on the destination. But when you're walking with Jesus in God, our destination is also our companion. Mm. Rather than focusing on where you're going to get and when you're going to get there, focus on who, focus on the who, right? Mm -hmm. Go to the who. Who are you journeying with as you walk it out? 
And that has been to me the thing I love most about God is I'm excited about eternity. I'm grateful for all that is mine in him. But the thing I cherish the most is that he's my companion in my life. Yeah, it's that right now relationship. Yeah. And go to the who. Yeah. I saw this reel the other day on Facebook that completely captivated my attention. Like I could not stop watching it. I know it did. You, you know showed it to me. About? Did I show it to you? Was it, I've got the joy, 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 joy? No. Oh, something no, different. Yeah, no, it's a different one. So if you don't know what a reel is, it's just a really short little video clip, like under a minute. Um, and it replays over and over and over again. No, this reel is about a dance recital. There's a bunch of little girls. They're maybe five or six years old, and they're up on stage in their little leotards and their ballet slippers, and they're lined up, and it looks like they had just taken the stage. You kind of have to use your imagination for some of it because it's a short little video clip. You don't know what came before, but this is my guess. So all the girls got lined up by their teacher, and they're going to perform or whatever. So as they're standing there, they're looking out at the audience, and they're trying to find their people. And all the little girls are kind of scanning and then they're finding their people and they're waving. Mm. And a teacher comes up behind one who can't find her people. And she kind of points to them and the little girl lights up. Okay. There's a little girl in a black leotard with a little red tutu and a little tight little bun. And while this is happening and all these people are connecting with her people, their people, she is just looking and looking and looking. And with each passing second, as the other girls find their people and wave and kind of come alive, you can literally see on this little girl second by second, her becoming more anxious and more afraid as she scans the audience and she's looking for her support system. She's like, where are my people? Where is it? Where's my sponsor? Yes. And you can just see it in her, like getting worse and worse and worse, like second by second. And then it happens. She sees them and Her face lights up. Her whole body responds. She starts waving. She's smiling. She starts crying. She's wiping the tears, but she's waving and she's smiling. You came. You're here. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for caring. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'm not alone anymore. I'm loved. Thank you. And I just kept watching this reel over and over and over. I must have watched it. I'm not even kidding. I must have watched it continuously like 20 times and I'm crying (laughs) watching this little girl see her people and just come alive. I'm tearing up just telling you about it. This is ridiculous. But here's what happened for me as I watched this reel. I was taken back to vulnerable moments in Mm -hmm. my own life. Mm -hmm. And some of them were platform moments. Um, When I was 18 years old, I was in the Miss California pageant. I was Miss Artesia. And so as a, you know, city representative, then you go on to the state. And so I'm in the Miss California pageant. It's in Palm Springs. And, you know, I'm 18 and I'm with women up to like 28 years old. And I'm so out of my league. You know, I'm still in high school. And these are women who compete in beauty pageants. And I didn't. I was an athlete. I played softball. Like it just was, ah. so vulnerable. And I remember being up on that stage and looking out in the crowd and just this sea of people and seeing my dad and my mom mm. and my sisters and my aunt. And, and then, you know, there've been really, really private moments too, that weren't platform moments at all, where I just felt super vulnerable and alone and someone showed up and they were able to just be in that vulnerable space with me, you know, mm-hmm. and just, 
uh, not feel so uncomfortable if they had to try to say something awkward or whatever, but they could just be with me in the space. I This takes me back to the summer when I went up to my cousin's, yeah, my cousin's husband's funeral. He died unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. And I just offered to sing. I felt like I wanted to go up and sing and just share the gospel through song, but also open up my heart. Just mm-hmm. And I knew that with this crowd, it was going to be awkward because I, I knew I was going to just lay out my heart mm-hmm. and I was going to share the gospel in a way that I just kept pointing to myself. I wasn't going to preach at them. I was just going to share my journey mm-hmm. and all the things I've chased in my life to try to fill that empty place. And I did that. And it was an incredibly, incredibly vulnerable moment. I don't think I even looked at anybody. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Were there people there that you could like just land your eyes on and go, Ooh, I'm okay. Nope. No. Vulnerable. Nope. Extremely vulnerable. So, you know, I shared my heart. I put it out there. And then I shared the song. And it's a picking song. And my hands were shaking. Mm. So I couldn't pick it. So I had to strum it. Mm. Anyway, got done. Got off that stage as fast as I could. I wanted to climb into a cave and just hide there. Right. And after after the service, this guy came up to me. And he said, I never expected to hear that here. Hmm. Thank you so much. And then he fell into my arms and he cried. Wow. And that was the guy who affirmed me. Yeah. It was afterwards. Yeah. And I didn't regret any of it, you know, and I didn't regret the feeling or anything because I knew that was what was going to happen. Yeah. You open your heart to a bunch of people you sort of know and a bunch of people you don't even know. And they're really not at all on the Jesus page. And you're, you're just pouring out your heart and it's scary. And I, I love Jesus for sending that guy to me and just saying, well done, son. Mm. Well done, son. So I get it with looking out and finding your people and wow, that's huge. So here's, here's what I think captivated me about the reel. Why I just kept watching it and letting it just play over and over and over again. Because here's what I think. I think that there are people all around us who feel incredibly vulnerable and alone. And every day they wake up and they go through their day and they're just kind of scanning the crowd and looking for their people. And they're all grown up and they look like moms and dads. They look like your boss. They look like a CEO. They look independent. They look sure. They look like influencers. They look like they've got it all together. But inside, there's this six-year-old little boy or little girl who feels vulnerable and alone and who needs to know that someone is for them, that someone sees them and cares about them. So here's what I'm thinking. You and me, let's show up today. Let's be the love of Christ to them. Let's see them. Let's wave. Let's cheer for them. Let's clap. Let's smile. You never, you and I may never know the impact that this might have on someone else. To be used by God, you don't have to be all put together. Not at all. 
You just need to say yes when God taps you on the shoulder. My friend John is just an awesome guy. He's got an awesome heart for people. And I met him in Thailand in 2017. And he shared with me this story. This story is incredible. One day I was um, traveling from Togo on my way back to the United States. On my first flight, I was given an upgrade to business class. And as I was walking on the plane, God spoke into my heart and said, you're supposed to give this seat to someone, someone that needs it. And I said, okay. And it was a late flight. I was tired, but I said, no problem. So I asked the flight attendant, is there someone on this plane that needs a better seat? I would love to provide my seat. And she looked at me strangely. And she said, actually, there's a woman sitting right over there. And she told me she had just had back surgery. So I went to that lady and I said, I'd like to give you my seat. It's an upgrade and I think you could benefit it more than me. And this lady was very shy to take it, but eventually I convinced her and I sat in her seat. A few seconds later, the young lady that sat next to me said, Sir, do you mind changing seats? Um, I'd really like to sit with my friend who's sitting behind. I said, of course not. So I got up and I moved seats. I was sitting a few rows back on the aisle seat and the man sitting next to me said, Oh, sir, do you mind? My wife is sitting over across the aisle. Do you mind changing seats so I can sit with my wife? And I said, absolutely not. Okay, so now I'm in my fourth seat and I'm not joking. The young girl sitting next to me said, Oh, there's some of us who are students and we're traveling to do an internship and I would love to sit next to my friend. She said it in broken English. And I said... Of course not. By this time, the flight attendant was suspicious. Why was this man jumping around the seats on this plane? But I assured her, no, no problem. So I got my bag out of the overhead and I went and sat in my last seat. Further back the plane, in the middle seat between two beautiful African people. And there begins the real journey. I was in my fifth seat and there I spark up a conversation with a young woman, Muslim woman named Fatima. And in the way I usually start my plane journeys is I open the Word of God and begin to read and journal, just asking God to bless the flight. And in the course of that, I asked Fatima about herself and she shared with me and I asked her if she had ever heard of Isa al-Masih, Jesus the Messiah. And she said, yes, he's a prophet, but I don't know anything about him. And over the course of the next two or three hours, we began to share the word of God together. We read the word. I shared specific scriptures with her. I asked her questions and Fatima was very energetic. She said, I'd always wanted to read the Bible, but never had access. And here she was, having access to the Word of God. And I told Fatima, do you know how much God loves you? He put the idea in my head that I needed to give up my seat in business class. And then he had me move five times to sit next to you. All because he wanted you to know the salvation of Jesus. And she wept. The tears were running down her face. And I'm so excited that she received Christ. One of the things at Christmas time that gets me every year is the fact that God became like us, that he came. I mean, he's the creator of everything and he became his created. 
And he came like a baby the same way that we came, completely vulnerable. And it's just hard for me to wrap my mind around why the creator of the world, you know, who is over ever, everything that has ever existed, all powerful, all knowing God would literally come and dwell among us. But when we look at scripture and we understand better the heart of God and the story of God, we see he's always wanted to be with us. Start with the Garden of Eden. He walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Mm-hmm. He wanted to have time with them. He he created us for relationship with him. And that was Jesus. That was Jesus walking in the garden. It wasn't just a metaphor. God, right, right, right. God in the person of Jesus actually walked with them in the garden. And one of the ways that we know it's not a metaphor, it's because they said, the scripture says they heard him walking in the garden. Mm-hmm. So there were footsteps. There was, I mean, this was an actual story of what happened. Yeah. And God was present in the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the movable temple, if you will, the huge tent that represented God's presence in the midst of his people and the place where they could meet with him and be with him. And then in the temple, 1 Kings 8, 11 says the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. They could actually see the raw presence of God in the form of a cloud. Isn't that incredible? It is. And then we have Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, that he came as a baby and he ate and he walked and he grew. He had to learn to walk, actually. You know, I mean, just all the things. He was completely human. The ultimate temple. Yep. Jesus, the temple, the final temple of God. And then, you know, Jesus laid down his life for us. He was brought back to life after being dead for three days. And then he ascended. But he also said in John 16, 7, he said, very truly, I tell you, it's good for, it is good. It is for your good, that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you poured his spirit into all of us to make us as his people, his temple. Right. So continuous ongoing presence of God with us. Right. And then John 14, three. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. So we see this thread throughout all of history and all of time and the story of God that he has always longed to be with us. This was the plan always that God would live life with us and and be with his people. It's consistent to who he is and who he's always been. And here's why he likes you. He loves you. He wants to do life with us. He wants to be in proximity with us. He wants Mm -hmm. to be with us. The God of the universe wants to be with us. The God who has always moved, been moving toward us. Always, 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 always Mm -hmm. moving toward us. Yes, because he likes you. Because he loves you and because he wants to do relationship with you and be with you. So I know that Christmas can be kind of a, a messy mix of emotions. And I hope there are things that you're excited about and looking forward to. But in the midst of all of that, if you also are just struggling with feeling lonely this Christmas season, take on this truth. Hear this as absolute. God loves you. He likes you. He, he wants to be with you. And he promises he's never going to leave you. He'll never forsake you. So in those moments when you're wrestling with feeling alone, know that Emmanuel has come. God is with you. You are not alone. If you feel helpless, you're in a great place. Wait, what? Yep. If you feel helpless, you're in a great 
place. Let's bring in Jim Samra. He's the pastor at Calvary Church in Grand Rapids. In engineering school, in my freshman year, I contract mononucleosis and then viral meningitis. And so it is a brutal year and I'm petrified of failure. Not only am I not academically equipped for where I'm at, I no longer can go to class anymore. I'm so sick and I'm so tired. Every doctor says, look, you just need to drop out of school. I didn't have the money to drop out and re-enroll and it felt like failure. And so here I was in the middle of my dorm room. I didn't want to call my parents because that felt like the cowardly thing to do. None of my friends really cared what I was going through in the sense of they didn't know what I was experiencing, but I felt like I was dying. And I'm like, I don't have the strength physically. I'm exhausted all of the time from the mono. I don't have the academic ability or the natural smarts. The only thing I felt like I had is I had heard for all these years in church, prayer changes things. And so in my dorm room, and I remember very specifically, it was in my class on vector calculus. It was a third semester class. I remember thinking, you know what? I'm going to try this. I'd played around at prayer before that. Uh, Yeah, I prayed before meals. I would kind of pray before I went to bed, but usually I just fell asleep while I was doing it. Sometimes if I really got myself into trouble, I would offer a quick arrow prayer to the Lord, please rescue. And you know what? He answers those, which is crazy, Mm -hmm. but he does. But in this situation, I was like, Lord, I'm staring at a calculus book and I don't understand any of these symbols. It was a foreign language to me. And I remember looking at it and crying out of desperation and praying desperately, Lord, please help me. And then I would open my Bible and I would read it. And then I would go back to my calculus book. And I would do it over and over again, hour after hour after hour. And the craziest thing happened in my dorm room. God taught me calculus. I can't make any sense of it. Just slowly. It wasn't like it came in a flash. Slowly over time, I just felt, I'm like, you're the teacher. You know this stuff. Help me. And he began to teach me. And I realized two things. One, that God cares about more than just whether we lead people to faith or how often we go to. He cares about our whole lives. So when it comes to seeking guidance from God, like if he cares about vector calculus, well, of course, he's going to care about who I marry. And of course, he's going to care about what school do I send my kids to. And of course, he's going to, if it matters to me, it's going to matter to him. It says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. These are the things I care about. And so on that day was a turning point where I got serious about prayer. Now, it was a long growing process of actually the Lord teaching me how to pray, but everything good that's happened in my life. The Lord chose a spouse for me. I asked him to arrange a marriage for me. That all happened through prayer. Ending up in ministry, that happened through prayer. Being a pastor at a church in which I'm hopelessly ill-prepared to do what I'm being asked to do. The turning point was God teaching me, look, be serious about prayer. And so from that day on, that's made all the difference. That's what prayer is. Prayer is desperation. You know, when prayer really happens, it's when we realize that we are helpless. We're helpless And there's a God who can help us and his power comes through prayer. Mm -hmm. And prayer is relationship. You know, I mean, I think how many times do I just go on my own because I think I can do this. I definitely can't do vector calculus. I would definitely be praying in that moment. But there are so many times when I think I got it. I got this. And I give up the opportunity to be led in wisdom and be taught of the Lord because I feel comfortable in an area. I really... Yeah, prayer is God's continuous invitation for us to let me into every area of your life. I care. Yeah. Call on me. God says, call on me. Call on me in the day of trouble. I'll hear you. I'll answer you. Call on me in desperation. Do you have any surprises up your sleeve for Christmas this year? Anything that 
you know, mm. people are not anticipating and you're excited about surprising them? Well, if I said it, a no, family no, no. member might hear. Yeah, no, I don't want I don't want you to give it away. Okay, I'm not giving okay. it away. Okay. I love surprises. I love surprises, but what I love even more than surprises is anticipation of what's coming. You know what I mean? Like I would rather order something online than go into a brick and mortar store and purchase it and go home. Because if I order it online, then I get to, I get the little notification when it's been sent. Thank you for your order. You know, mm. it is now on its way. And then I get to watch it. Oh, it's in Ohio. Ah, it's on its way. It, it's in Grand Rapids. It'll be in Middleville soon, you know, and just kind of like watch the journey. Did they really can get stuff to Middleville? Yes, absolutely. All the way to middle, all the way to my front door, which is just amazing. So like out in the middle of nowhere, like the North Pole. <laughs> I know, I know, but they do, and I love the anticipation of what's coming and expecting it. It should be here on Wednesday, and you know, just looking for it every day and kind of watching the journey. There's something about that, and I think if I just walk into a brick and mortar store and pick something up, I kind of get robbed of all that anticipation. And it reminds me of in the Christmas story, just how there had been years and years and years, hundreds of years that the people of God had anticipated his coming. They knew there was a Messiah coming. You know, Isaiah 9 told them what it was going to be like, that he was a God of justice, that he would come and make things right. And so in their hearts, they're like, yes, this is coming. And so they, they studied scripture so that they would know what to look for. And what to anticipate along the way. And then in the story of Christmas, the Messiah came. What are you expecting this Christmas? What are you looking for? What are you anticipating? Is there maybe somebody who's coming home and you just, you're, you're watching the flight. You're, you know, waiting for the day that they're going to land. Or maybe it's a special gathering. Or maybe it is um, a present that you're hoping is under the tree. You're kind of being sneaky. Maybe you're going underneath the tree and picking up the boxes and shaking them, checking their size and weight to see if it's maybe the thing that you really, really wanted. Did you do that when you were little? I did that one time and I, I made a crease in the package, a little hole in the package and I saw what I was gotten, Ooh. saw what I was getting. Mm -hmm. And that was the last time I ever did that because it just ruined things. So I, I, I love to be surprised. Mm-hmm. The anticipation thing, you know what's coming, I get that, but I love to be surprised with the gifts that I get. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, whatever it is that you're wanting the most this Christmas, whether it's, you know, reconciliation or a person or a present or a moment or I don't know, whatever it is, I hope you get it. And I mean that genuinely. I really, really hope that you get the thing that you want the most. But even if you do... I just have to be honest with you. It's not going to compare with the gift that God gave us in his son, Jesus, the long awaited Messiah. Only Jesus can fill that empty, achy space in us that we look for other things to fill. So I'm just keeping it real with you because I love you. Only a real experience with the living Jesus is going to satisfy your soul. My life has come full circle. When I was a kid, I said, I hoped that Jesus wouldn't return before Christmas because mm -hmm. I wanted to have Christmas morning. But now I know as an adult that Jesus coming back will be like a thousand Christmas mornings. So I hope Jesus comes back 
Yes. Before Christmas. I know. We're still anticipating, right? He's coming back. He's promised he's coming back for us. And we still, even as we celebrate Christmas and the story that he did come and the Messiah was born, we still live in this anticipation of his return, that Jesus is coming back. And Psalm 1611 says, you've made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So this Christmas, let's anticipate Jesus and then we won't be disappointed. Thanks so much for listening. Questions or comments, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930. 